Tonight we're hanging with the boys. Yeah, we're going out. We got the billboards. Getting stupid and feeling proud. We're going to make a lot of noise. Turn the music loud. Johnny O'Mara. Hands up for them real ones. Them good girls and them billboards. Hands up for them real ones. everybody and welcome back to the Bill Buds podcast. I of course am your host, JPC with me as always. My co-host with a very mo host, Mr. Johnny O'Mara, JJO. Johnny, how the effing hell is it going? Dude, it's great. And you Oh, I have I have news actually for you. Oh? Uh? So so as you, as you know, but other people don't know. Okay. I got an Xbox recently. Not for Christmas. Uh, I oh. I played Halo at a friend's house and said shit i have to buy an xbox i it it reignited the um the latent the dormant halo gene in my emphasis in my on dorm because you played it in college a bunch right yeah yeah okay. that was all i did in college basically <laughs> so anyway got an xbox played online with you and um enemy of the show arnie parrot yeah and you guys were like on your headsets and i don't have a headset so well, I was just okay, like okay. listening right. from my perspective, from my perspective, when you told me that you got an Xbox and you were playing Halo and you were willing to play Halo online, never in a million years in my mind did it cross my mind that you might not have a way of like communicating with people online. So when you showed up and you're like, I don't have a headset. We we're like, huh? I well, and then I talked to Peter, who was the friend that I originally played with. And I was like, do you have a headset? And he was like, yeah, of course. Of course, Johnny, so, of course. <laughs> So I bought a headset. It gets here on Saturday. Oh, nice. So that I can be a real fucking gamer with you guys. I can't wait. But yeah, I was Jessica was like sitting on the couch with me while I was playing and she <laughs> we were just like never never in my life. Except, like in college we would use the headset just sure. because like but like as an adult, even like playing Animal Crossing and going to people's islands when yeah. they're like, "Oh, I want to do voice chat." I'm like, "Fucking no. I wanted like also sit on my couch and watch Cobra Kai." And we were just sitting there like, this is the craziest shit of all time, hearing you and Arnie talk. There is nothing wilder than hearing your friend's voice come out of, like, your TV, like, speakers and not uh, the head. It just feels – I remember one time I was playing Overwatch at my old apartment. This is, like, you know, six years ago. And um, I – for some reason, my headset, like, stopped working while I was – ran out of batteries, I think, while I was playing. So during mid-game – the headset cut out and the sound started coming out of my TV and just hearing all of my friends like coming out of my TV. I was like, this is fucking, this is awful. And it's like unlistenable and it's weird. I I hated it. I hated that experience. You know, I thought that you could just hook up (laughs) Bluetooth headphones. too. Uh uh You you fucking can't. No, I I, I had a feeling that I I think it's just, is it like a proprietary thing or they're just really trying to sell you a headset? They just really want you to have a gaming headset. I I don't know. Cause the the controllers are Bluetooth, so yeah. the technology already exists in there. And yeah. and here's the thing that that really made me mad about that is everyone was so pissed off at the Switch for not letting you use Bluetooth headphones. Now yeah. when they added the the ability like a couple months ago, everyone was like, oh fucking finally. But this this like fucking AAA system can't let you do it. And no one cares. Well, I mean, the Switch is a mobile thing, so it's like you need headsets for the mobile thing. I mean, that I I understand that. You you. Just, just made fun of me for not having a headset. 
Yeah. It's, it, it's an integral part, apparently, of the online experience. I'm saying, if I go onto a train and I just see, like, a guy playing a Switch with a big-ass gamer headset, I'm like, fuck <laughs> off. No way. I, I, no, I get it. Hey, look, I'll be the first one to say it. it's all bad. I mean, they truly, like every company, it, 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 they're getting to be a little bit more uniform with the way that you plug things in as well. But man, I've searched through my entire house like four times trying to find the right fucking cord to like charge a controller before. It's all, it's all bad. Up across the board, what a bunch of bullshit. Johnny, so happy that you're playing Halo. Can't wait to, <laughs> can't wait to get into a big team battle playlist that doesn't fucking work still and just really hate on that game with you. It's, um, it's a lot of fun, but it's also infuriating because half the time I just have to like restart the game three times to get it to work. <laughs> I every every it's time true. I turn on the Xbox, it doesn't work and no. I have to turn it off and turn it back on every time. Yep. Yeah, no, no trust me, I I it's it's bad. It's bad. It's a trash app. It is a free game, but that's no excuse. And here's something that I've realized. The the I haven't played an Xbox in 10 years uh-huh. or more. Sure. The 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 UI of like the Xbox hasn't changed from like Xbox 360. They've just added more oh, stuff. Yeah. For sure. I I it's impossible to it's absolutely impossible to use. <laughs> it's 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 unusable. Thank God the little picture of Mr. Chief is so big and the mm-hmm. first fucking thing I see when I turn on my Xbox, otherwise I could never play this game. <laughs> oh, thank God Spartan John Hello. One, yeah, John 117. 117. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Thank God for you, Mr. Chief, and you keep doing <laughs> you keep doing your work out there in space. Mr. Chief and his robot Santana. <laughs> 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 Anyway, this is not a Halo podcast. This is a pop music podcast. Obviously, it's right there in the name. And I guess what we have for you is pop music today, huh? It's music, and it charted on the pop It did. It's pop music that did chart it on the pop one, uh, the Billboard (laughs) Top 200, which is what we use for the show. Now, (laughs) as we mentioned, as I mentioned last week on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. I'm in my sad girl January. I'm having my sad girl feelings. And so I suggested that we do a little album from 2020 called Punisher by one Phoebe Bridgers. And that is exactly what we are reviewing on the podcast today. Johnny, we start with you. What's your experience with uh, Phoebe Bridgers or the album Punisher in general? Love Punisher. Love that little skull. Um, The picture that is on all the cops' uniforms. The thing is, the Punisher, I think, was he was a cop or like an FBI guy, but he was also he he shot all the cops. He's like a bad guy. I I think he's a. I mean, I I don't really know, but anti-hero. I, my, that's my guess. Yeah, and that he was co-opted because all that cops saw was he was a cop and he shoots people, and that's yeah all that they care about. Um, no, I have no here. Oh, she does dress up like a skeleton a lot for this, which is very fun. Though. Yeah, it's very, and it's not, it's not that Punisher like skull skeleton. It's like a, it's like a, like it's a, a child's onesie. Yeah, like a ten ninety nine <laughs> Halloween costume skeleton. Yeah, um, it's a David S. Pumpkins uh-huh. skeleton for skeleton. sure. For sure, I have never heard a Phoebe Bridger song before we did this. Okay. But for the since I, well, her first album was in like 2017, I 2017, think. 2017, yes. Um, people have told me I should listen to her, and I just 
did no real reason. I just never got around to it. So well, this I mean, is the first I heard her. I think your reason is fuck your friends, right? Like you don't fucking well, you don't fucking care what they think. No, because usually they're wrong. That's true. Is the thing. Well, if I, I mean, here's you're talking to you, you. You're Mr. Bad Opinions, so it's like I know. If I if I wanted to listen to her, I would have already listened to her before you even fucking brought it up. So. <laughs> Uh, well, my experience, th- I mean, I'll be honest, I never listened to the 2017 album. Uh, this was the first Phoebe Bridgers album. I and t- I hadn't listened to it. This was the first mm. album that I listened to, um, Punisher. Ever? Yeah. This was, <laughs> I must have listened to this 2020. Yeah. It was right after the podcast had been around for a while. <laughs> and then I said, this will be the first, this will be a great first album for me. I'm just dipping my toes in music. Uh, it was my first Phoebe Bridgers album that I never listened to. Mm. Um, but again, it had been like talked about. I, I, I remember in sp- specifically in 2020, uh, a year that truly happened. Uh, this album came out in June, I believe. And I did not listen to it when it came out. But a lot of people were talking about this end of the year 2020 as like best album of 2020, mm. like favorite album of 2020. And I picked it up at the end of 2020, listened to it a little bit. But it, to me, I know this album came out in the summertime. It's like a, it is a great wintertime album for me. And as soon as like, as soon as the weather started turning and getting cold, oof, this, 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 this came on heavy rotation. I, I will say Spotify, we talked about this on the show. I think Spotify um, wrapped does not count like any listens between October and December. And that's probably a good thing for my 2022 because otherwise it would just be like every track of this album. This is the, it, it's wild that this came out in June because this is not this is not June music. It's so weird too that it's like and it, obviously the pandemic was full on and like things were getting like pushed around and release dates and whatnot. But so it, maybe it, I also don't necessarily think that like maybe she would not agree that this is not June music. Maybe yeah. she's from California, so it's like it's always summer there, right? So it's like that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, to, to me, it's it's very wintertime music, um, and I was I was very excited to to kind of dig into it in the wintertime. Some stats on this bad boy: this was recorded over a year and a half, so like y- you know, a year and a half's worth of time spent recording this album is that's a long time to work on the album. Uh, it came out June seventeenth, twenty twenty, peaked at number forty three on the top two hundred. Spent three weeks on the charts, technically making it eligible for the show. Uh, it is 11 songs, 40 minutes, and 42 seconds. Pretty respectable. I, uh, yeah. I, at this point, I am an old hand at gauging what I'm going to see by just looking at that. 40 minutes mm-hmm. for 11 songs, some longer songs. We're going to get some longer yeah. songs on this. N- n- not terrible. It could, it could be worse. It could be worse. It could be worse, for sure. And there is something, it's like, I guess it's like very genre-specific too, but... And I don't even know what, what genre of music this truly is, but like whatever whatever vibe is going on in this music is like I expect some four minute songs. I expect like if it's a straight up pop album, I'm like you're probably looking for three thirty three thirty. If you're a punk yeah. album, maybe two thirty. Like maybe yeah. shave a minute if it's punk. But for whatever this is, I think I think maybe a little longer and is what I would expect. Indie, which is not. That means nothing now, but that's it's so weird, Johnny, because the categorization of music is it's just all over the place. It, it mm-hmm. and, and everybody genre bends and blends and everything too. So it's yeah. 
but I guess like some sort of indie indie is 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 what you would would call this. There's some folk in there as well. I don't know. I mean, it's also a lot of it is like track dependent because some tracks. Well, there's, there's like a. Like a country song on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it really, it really is. You know, I think a lot of artists are doing something along those lines nowadays. Wikipedia says indie rock, emo folk, and indie folk. And so, so much of these categorizations, the fact that they're like emo folk, it's like, well, this means nothing to me anymore. Like, you can't tell me emo folk and be like, that's my favorite style of music. Yeah, it. That's like. It's just like two completely yeah. separate things. It's like in you know in German when you make a word, you just, <laughs> yeah. there's like eight words, and then uh-huh, the way uh-huh. that you make a new word is just like combining them in different ways. That's what this feels like. I think that we as Billbuds are doing a much kinder service to the world by reviewing the album and giving the impression <laughs> of the album because it doesn't matter what the genre is. It's like will you like the music or not? That's true. So I, I think let's just uh, hop right into it. Uh, you know, fifty minutes into the episode. Track one oh, is uh, track one's opening is an instrumental. Um, we, we don't need to play it. It's called DVD Menu. Um, so, I, Johnny, I wanted to get your opinion on this. It's about a minute long. Uh, I, I well, yeah. What is your opinion on DVD Menu? I think it's a nice little like intro to the album. I I, I don't mind when an album does this. I think it's a. I mean, musicals do this. They have like an overture at the yeah. beginning, and I I think that that's. I, I enjoyed this, and I liked um, <laughs> the concept of a DVD menu is very funny to me. Yeah, yes. and, and this this just like reminded me of that, and like made me laugh because I, you know, in like high school, spent many a night like falling asleep watching a a Family Guy DVD, and then uh, just having sure. the DVD menu play over and over all night. And I think that's like something that just doesn't really. No one experiences that anymore. So this this like reminded me of that too, which was very funny. Um, she is she's like maybe six or seven years younger than us. And when mm-hmm. I saw that this for track one, and I didn't look up, up, up that information until I started researching for the show. But when I when I saw this track called DVD Menu, I just kind of assumed she was my age because sure. I feel like we're the last generation that really had DVD menus. And it's very funny to me that like someone who's like six years and you know. It, it, whatever that's that's a big portion of my life is six years like right so it just felt like that was like uh oh wow six years and they're still she's still referencing dvd videos yeah i wonder if for her it's like a it would be like us saying like i don't know some some weird like lawn darts or some weird like you know vcr previews <laughs> right right <laughs> well i, be I kind, think please rewind. <laughs> the the <laughs> The like very specific because people older than us don't really have probably much experience with DVD menus anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's like people specifically our age had DVDs. Otherwise, you had tapes or you're just streaming shit mm-hmm. or torrenting. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. So the the other thing that I thought was interesting here with DVD menu is um, I started like I'm reading a little bit more about it, and what I discovered is that uh, uh, Phoebe Bridgers who. I think is is pretty uh, fun on social media. I've like I, I didn't I don't think I've ever followed her, um, but her I know her her name is like uh, Trader Joe, like Trader with an mm, O R, which I think is fun. Um, and she's got a big pretty big following on social media as well. Uh, but I'd like seen her tweets before, and I was like, oh, so she's like pretty online. And I realized in researching this album, 
she's very online and she's she must have done some like AMA at some point because there's a lot of just like tweets of people like asking her about her lyrics that she just answers completely honestly. So it's like she's very available. Uh, so it, it is the way that it seems. And maybe it's just like the nature of the year that, you know, this album came out or yeah. whatever. But uh, but the the this track, um, the end of this track mirrors the melody of the last track on the album. But it also samples the last track of her last album, uh, which is a, a track called You Missed My Heart from her previous album, which I hadn't listened to when I listened to this. Um, and I went back and listened to it. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. So it's like it's it's a minute long little intro to the album, but it's got like a sample of the end of this album and the end of the last album. And I was like, that's a fun, cohesive, coherent thing. And it's only a minute long. I like that in an album. I think that's a nice way for Phoebe to Bridgers between two. That's albums. very good, Johnny. Uh oh, be careful with that because it's very good. <laughs> it, it's also it was also interesting too because if I I let the album play through and then start again, um, you know, because mm. that's just that's how Spotify I have my Spotify set, and I never minded the the beginning of this DVD menu instrumental because it felt so natural hearing it after the end of the last song. Yeah, that's really fun. Um, okay, so should we talk about uh, track two? Yes, please. Okay, so this is a little song called Garden Song. This is the first single. This is track two. All right, that is a little bit of garden song. Um, I I'll be honest, I, I I thought that the man singing with her in that that we just heard a little piece of there, I thought that that was uh, Mr. Bon from I, the band Bonavere. Dude, I thought the same thing. I was like, get this fucking man off of this album immediately. <laughs> you had a you had a very strong reaction to Bonavere when we when we he came up on the Taylor Swift album. I said it before and I'll say it again, Mauvaise Ver, if you <laughs> ask me. German, French, what can't he do, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh but it turns out it's not. It is no. her it is her tour manager, um, who she describes as a six foot seven Dutch man. Uh who she would like sing with on tour and she loved his voice. And she was like, would you like to sing on this song? Honestly, I like, I like the guy's voice. I mean, he's, it's, Mm -mm. oh man, I was into it. I was, I was furious. I like it. Were you Mm -hmm. furious? Cause you thought it was Bonavere though. Well, yeah, but also all of the same shit that I hated about Bonavere in that song. If it sounds exactly like him, I hate it here, too. Look, don't add us. We know his name isn't Bonavere, but we won't learn his name. Even if we cover him on the show, we won't learn his name. (laughs) I was pissed when I found out his name wasn't Bonavere. And when when I found out he was just one guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love that line, I grew up here till it all went up in flames. But like I said, she's very available. And so she says what that is about. So apparently, apparently her parents' uh, house, her childhood home burned down. And then a year later, her parents had like a vicious, nasty divorce. And I was like, oh, okay, that is a lot. That is a lot to deal with. (laughs) 
I really liked the second verse a lot. Um, I, I, the, the idea of recurring dreams is something that's so interesting to me. Yeah. And, um, I also specifically, uh, like the line, uh, then it's a dorm room, like a hedge maze. And when I find you, you touch my leg. I don't know. I, for some reason, like touching someone's leg, it's, it's just such a specific thing. So much more than holding hands. I think Yeah. it's like, it's a, it's a much different, more specific level of like intimacy. I think that's very, um, it paints a very vivid picture for me. I mean, this, this whole album, I feel like even though you could, I mean, and apparently she's answered all of these questions about what all these things mean, but the, the whole album is full of like, I just feel like very specific things mm-hmm. about her life and her experience that she just like freely kind of puts in there. And it's a, it's really refreshing songwriting because she walks a fine line between like hyper specific things going on in her life and then like bigger, more mm-hmm. relatable things that can be applied to everyone's lives. I, I think it's a really, really artfully and well done way to do that. You think she'd be a guest on the show? Honestly, I mean, she she was on Comedy Bang Bang, so maybe. I mean, if she's bored enough, she probably could. She was also she's also she's been on a lot of like you know bigger platforms. People really love this album. Yeah, maybe she'd be a guest on the show if we ever wanted to review like another Lucy Dacus album or like uh, <laughs> just one of her friends. Um, the the other just the thing that stuck out to me is in this song she talks about where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, oh, she yeah, she talks about skinheads, and I was like, that feels like such a weirdly outdated reference. Like we're yeah, are, skin, are skinheads a thing anymore? I know that they're they're fucking obviously like Nazis and stuff, but it's like skinheads is such a specific thing to me. I mean, I guess that they're probably still a, a thing, but like if I think about like Charlottesville, it's like you know you know like the those mm-hmm. like uh weirdo fascists like the the pictures of them i i feel like tiki torches and that shit is like more neo nazi in my mind now than skinhead yeah. cuz skinhead is like it feels like old american history x or like uh what's it called a uh, green green room did you see green room no my god you, you it's if you i mean if you're into the horror genre but you should see green room it's it's uh, it's good. It's good. Um, what's the what's the dude from Star Trek uh, and Logan? Old man, old British actor, Captain Picard. What is that guy's name? Um, Jesus Christ, Charles Xavier. Fuck. Don't. Okay, it's not Ian McKellen because that's it's, the other one. It is not. It is. Don't. Okay, here's here's the thing. You looked it up. I do. Don't I know tell it. me. By the end of this episode, it will come to me. Okay, I, I won't say it, but that guy, he's hes the bad guy in, in uh, Green Room, and he's its he's very scary, and it's very good. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I agree. Maybe it feels like your skinhead neighbor goes missing is, I mean, it just feels like it's about a real person, right? And, you know? and I'll plant a garden in the yard. I mean, that I love that. I'll plant a garden in the yard. Yeah, it, it's, it's so good. There's, I mean, there's a lot like tied up in this song too. Apparently, the song is just about like recurring nightmares that she would have on tour, and she wrote a lot of this album on tour for her first album too. Um, they, but but that that's like the general theme. But I love how like everything's growing in our garden. You don't have to know that it's haunted. And the chorus at the end of the song is like directly referencing like the skinhead that she killed and put in the garden, and it's like. 
that the ghosts of our pasts are like always with us, but we don't have mm. to think about them. I also love the line the doctor put her hands over my liver. She told me my resentment's getting smaller, which feels like a very like I don't know like L.A. like yeah experience to have. I don't know. Yeah, I I I really like Garden Song. You know when I when I heard that line, what I thought of, I didn't think of like an L.A. thing. I thought of like. She is bottling up a bunch of resentment, which is causing her to drink, but the resentment is going away, so her liver is health is improving. <laughs> I it to me it felt like um like something like reeky. Yeah, exactly. Or 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 like uh what's the one with needles where they put needles? Acupuncture. Acupuncture. Just it felt like very um non-western, like mm-hmm. ah, the liver is actually for resentment and your resentment yeah, is getting yeah, sm- yeah. you know, type of thing. <sighs> anyway, um, Okay, sh- should we listen to track uh, track three, Johnny? Please. Okay, this is a, a tr- this is track three. This is I think this is so there were five singles on this album. Originally only supposed to be three, but I think maybe just because the pandemic and and it was getting good press that they they made mm-hmm. five. Uh, so this is the third single. This is Kyoto. That is a little bit of Kyoto. Um, I, I couldn't help. I couldn't help when listening to the song, but to think about the Casey Musgraves song that we covered. That was remember that what was that mm, cherry that, blossom? Cherry blossom, and how like yeah. how just ha- it had like it had like a very like Asian sound to it, and it's like. But this song is like it's about Kyoto, but it's just it, it felt like a better execution yeah. of that. There's. Um, one of the albums that I almost picked for this month has a song called Nagoya. And then, and in that song, they reference Kyoto a lot. Too. Oh, interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be honest. This one is like an earworm. This one gets stuck mm-hmm. in my head so much. I love the melody for this song. Uh, but there's like lyrically, I feel like this, this song has a lot of just fucking gems. And one that I will point out what that we just heard was, you called me from a payphone. They mm-hmm. still got payphones. It cost a dollar a minute. And her annotation from it was she said she told Rolling Stone that she totally made up that lyric. Yeah, you called me from a payphone. They still got payphones. It cost a dollar a minute. And she never even Googled it. She just made it up and then didn't even Google to see if it was true. <laughs> That's so good. I love that so fucking much. <sighs> Especially because like everything else in the lyrics and in the video, it's like so specific about yeah. uh, uh, Kyoto, and then 
just like, man, they got payphones. Well, I mean, the song is about Kyoto, but it's obviously the, really mm-hmm. the thesis statement of the song, uh, which she says um, in the chorus, uh, I wanted to see the world, then I flew over the ocean and I changed my mind, where it's like she wants to like leave to get away from her shit, but like her shit always, and then, the, I mean, the rest of the song is just straight up about her dad, really, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to kill you if you don't beat me to it is such a fucking wild line. Obviously, she has a very complicated relationship with uh, with her parents, but but it seems like from the context of this song that it's like pretty warranted, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I I also so after the last song, I'll be honest, I was a little nervous. Um, but this this I think is my favorite song on the album, um, and this got me back on board. I I think that this is an excellent song. I also think that this was like the third single, but for some reason, I feel like this was the one that I heard more than any other song i'm not sure why that is but i i i mean i kind of mentioned it up top never heard any one of these songs before we started i mean doesn't surprise me because it's like it's an indie album right like it, mm-hmm. it it didn't stay on the charts for very long and i feel like unless unless you were like traveling in music critic circles that really really enjoyed it you it, it's probably pretty easy to miss this whole album yeah uh i also love the line um you, uh, with my little brother, he said you'd called on his birthday. You were off by like 10 days, but you get a few points for trying. I was like, that's such specific bad dad shit to call mm-hmm. like 10 days after someone's your own child's birthday. It's like, that's wild. That also, the line right before that, to park at the Goodwill and stare at the chemtrails. I was just thinking before I heard this, like a couple weeks ago, you don't really hear about chemtrails anymore. I, guess, one, you didn't, I guess you didn't get Lana Del Rey's last album. Oh, God. I think it was what was it called? Like chemtrails and country clubs. Oh know. wow! I don't know. It we, just feels like that's a that's a conspiracy the theory that <laughs> went away. Yeah, we have so many more better. I mean, just QAnon just really did it up with the conspiracy theories. Now we have so much so much good ones that we don't really need the old ones. Yeah, uh, I love the outro to the song as well, which is "Guess I lied. I'm a liar who lies because I'm a liar." <laughs> Man, I love that. It's so fun. But the the way she sings it, she like she stretches it out, so it's harder to tell what she's saying. But it's that's mm-hmm. such a fun lyric. This song also had, and a couple songs on this album have like some ho- kind of light horns that remind me yeah. of like um, like early twenty tens like st- stuff that would kind of be in like an indie trailer for, or an indie movie trailer. You yes. know, those like kind of light horns. It was it was really interesting to hear that like throwing back to that. The, the horn work on this album, I think, is fantastic and so refreshing. I just, I just, I did really have a great time with with those horns, Johnny. You brought it up because uh, uh, the video for this. I didn't mention the video for Garden Song, but it is pretty funny how like much, how little of a shit it seems she care she gives about these videos. They're all pretty like low effort, low concept. And She's it's pretty wearing. Under- She's wearing the skeleton outfit in all of them, I think. I think almost all of them. I'm not sure if it's in Garden Song. Maybe, it, yeah, I think it is. And it, they're, I mean, they're they're pretty basic. And she's like, kind of like she's kind of like just like existing in them, like which kind of makes sense for the context of the album too. Dude, the Kyoto video honestly is like maybe one of my favorite videos we've ever covered. It's so funny. It's just her. First of all, it it looks like it's a video from like. 1996 or whatever because yeah. it's in 4.3 it's like bad quality and it's just her it's got the bad title card that videos used mm-hmm. to have yeah and it's just her in front of a green screen 
an obvious green screen. Uh, not not keyed out well at all, and it's just like B roll of Japan. <laughs> And like other stuff, too. other stuff, but it's just in, like but... whatever she's singing is just like the B roll that's behind her, it's and so she's good. like kind of dancing, but really barely moving. And just it is, it is like it, it's like it feels like solo effort, but like in a very purposeful way mm-hmm. that it's kind of it kind of fits the theme of the album. I was, I really had a lot of fun watching these videos, and I was sad because they did not have a lot of plays. The, the, the specific part in this video that I loved is when it's like going through a train tunnel and she's like standing in front of it. Cause that felt very much like what videos from oh, the yeah. era that she was like putting this in looked like just a lot of like yeah. fast moving backgrounds while someone like slowly dances in front. It was very good. It is. It is. I highly recommend watching the videos for this uh, album. Uh, if only for one time, just to get a vibe for them because they are very, very funny. Uh, and I, 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 to me, it feels like it's again, like, the there's only one video that seems to be like very stylized, which we'll yeah. get to. But um, okay, well, let, Johnny, let's talk about track four. This is a track called Punisher. That is a little bit of the title track, Punisher. Uh, that the the like vocal effects that they have on her voice in this one too is, it, or that she has on her voice is like it's it's very weird. It's very strange. I I didn't care for that effect. It it was the kind of thing where like if it was only on part of it, I would have been like okay with it. But it felt like it it's got like a much. little weird like warble like mm-hmm. kind of to it. Um, yeah, it's. It's very weird, but but I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't hate it for the context of this song. This song, it just especially compared to Kyoto, it's like it's slower and it's like sadder. Mm-hmm. Um, I also listened to this a bunch of times before I knew that it was about Elliot Smith, because I guess I'm not really like a big Elliot Smith fan. I've no. heard some Elliot Smith, but it seems like she really loves Elliot Smith. Well, this song is Elliot Smith misery. Yeah. The, the- Stephen King book, not the state of being. <laughs> yeah, it, it truly is. It's just like it, that that line that we just heard in the that pre-chorus was um, a copycat killer with a chemical cut. Either I'm careless or I want to get caught. She's saying that she's like she kind of just takes Elliot Smith lyrics and is like, catch me or I want to get caught. Like, I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. what it what it is, you know, um, but the the concept behind this of a punisher which I love how like she kind of like creates a word and then I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard anyone else use Punisher in the same context that she does in this song. She says, um, but never not sweet to the trust funds and punishers referring to like the type of fan that will come up to you. And you know, the trust funds one is obvious. It's like the people who can afford like, you know, concert tickets who are like, 
super mm-hmm. young or whatever. The people who have like family money that you know is financing their lifetime uh, or lifestyle. But the Punishers, I've never heard in that context. Which she said is a, the type of like fan who who she admits that she would be this and has been this before, especially if if she ever got to meet Elliot Smith, um, which she can't because he's dead who just talks way too long, like, you know, to you. And then you, you, you're trying to be like nice to them Mm. because like, you know, it's important to them, but like, also it's like, you're tired and you just did the show. And the whole song has this like parasocial aspect to it, which I was, I mean, as a, as a semi public figure anyway, I was really digging that aspect of it Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. I bet she thinks the same way about us. Oh Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a good call, though. I mean, especially, like, if you're interacting with with a person, like, to kind of get a gauge of, like, do they want to be bothered? Mm. Most people, I mean, for me especially, I can speak for myself, but I think, like, most people, I, I think a, a simple, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I love your work, right? Like, that that kind of can make someone's day but like the more of like hey i'm a huge fan actually my brother his middle mm-hmm. name is your and, and, and just to go into like more about like she makes it so much about you and not about like the compliment that you give you know yeah the the voice effect going back to that it i was i was gonna say earlier and just didn't and now now it feels more relevant but it feels i it kind of was it like wears on me over the course of the song and it makes you f- feel sort of like oh trapped a little and that that is kind of like that that punisher type person you know like the voice effect made made me feel almost claustrophobic and that is maybe (laughs) a choice okay dude i can see that that's actually pretty fun uh yeah that being said i first of all i i i liked this song um but I think I liked Garden Song in Kyoto a lot more than I liked Punisher. Um, but also, I, I think I was kind of like missing some critical context because I'm like not an Elliott Smith fan. And I was getting a little mm-hmm. bit lost in her lyrics. But again, she puts a lot of this information out there. So if you want to like really dig through line by line, you can get exactly what she's talking yeah. about. She does mention Dianetics in that one, which is fun. Always great to hear about Dianetics. Apparently, uh, the view from where Elliot Smith lived, like mm-hmm. you could see the stucco and the Dianetic and the Scientology Center and stuff like that too. So it's it is just like very specific to you know his, his where he's living in Los Angeles. All right, Johnny. I know that we're a couple months late, um, but let's listen to it. This is track five. This is Halloween. There is a little bit of Halloween. Um, I do love that line in the chorus where she just says, "Oh, come on, man!" <laughs> I think that's such a funny, <laughs> that's such a funny line to like include in a song. Yep. Uh, 
This one's got uh, uh, featuring um, Connor Oberst from Bright Eyes on it. He sings like in the outro with her, and apparently, and I, I again, I, I wasn't a big, wasn't super familiar with Phoebe Bridgers. Her and Connor Oberst have like another side project together. Yeah, I, I didn't know until I was doing this either. But the Better Oblivion Community Center, um, mm-hmm. which is also so wild because like Connor Oberst and Phoebe Bridgers, they're like there's such a generational gap in there right like i i feel like uh yeah that, that it's it, it is an interesting combo because it's similar i've never listened to it maybe maybe i would like that i wasn't a huge bright eyes fan but maybe i would like their their collaboration same same um the concept behind this one too is like the wearing masks basically uh which is also an interesting th- song to come out in 2020 obviously mm-hmm. uh but you know, like the 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 chorus that's like it's Halloween. On Halloween, we could be anything. Why would we ever want to be the people who we are now when we could be whoever we wanted, even for just like one night? Because um, a lot of these songs are kind of about like being stuck in a thing that you can't change, whether that be like a situation or a relationship or, or, or something like that, and just feeling mm-hmm. like feeling metaphorically, but also maybe even like physically stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um the 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 first verse was like kind of funny to me. I think I think it's like you know, I hate living by the hospital, the sirens go all night. I used to joke that if they woke you up somebody better be dying. That's that, I, I I have you heard people say that before? No. Oh man, I see that's that's like a thing that people say. Like That's if um if like a if an ambulance is like stopping traffic and like mm. ca- causing like a huge traffic jam, you know, someone's like, well, somebody better be dying because otherwise, why am I being inconvenienced? You know, there there was that reminds me of like you know just stock things that people say. I used to work in a bank, and this one like regular would come in all the time, and I'd be like, hey, how are you? And he would always say, any day above ground is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I also love the line in the first verse. I can count on you to tell me the truth when you've been drinking and you're wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. I love like the dichotomy of that too, of like, you know, like uh, in veritu, ver, ver, what is that? In veritu virtus or whatever, like uh, in liquor, oh, the truth. In vino veritas? In vino veritas, yeah. But the the idea that like, when you're drinking, your filters slip away and like mm-hmm. you might be like brutally truthful, but also that is a mask. Like it's the mask of being like intoxicated. So there's just like a lot of like metaphorical masks being thrown around here in this song. Yeah. Hey, that's Halloween, baby. Yeah. I mean, Johnny, you're as a, as a noted Halloween pervert, what did you think of a song referencing Halloween so much? Well, you know, I think it was fun. It got, it got first blush, very fun. Got less and less fun. The more you listen to the lyrics and not in a bad way, but it's just like, Oh, this is, this is not fun Halloween times. Ver- I mean, it's it, it's very sad, like most of the things on this album. Verse two, she just kind of slips in a line of, they killed a fan down by the stadium who was only visiting, they beat him to death. And then she's just, baby, it's Halloween again. I'm like, yeah. verse two is very short, and it's just that. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah, what? A, let's get back to drinking by the hospital. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, the song is not spooky, so it's no. points off for being a Halloween, a non-spooky Halloween and, song. And she's she's gonna have the audacity to wear that spooky onesie, sing this song, not have a spooky song. Come on, it's it's called Halloween. It's not spooky at all. Um, 
but it is that that outro of like whatever you want, I'll be whatever you want. That that idea of like being something, maybe even something that you're not for another person, is present a, a lot of times throughout this album. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I actually like I like this song a lot. I think that the part about like slipping in that part about the fan dying at the stadium is just weird. But it seems like as she said, like <laughs> she was talking to Connor Oberst about it, and he's like, "You're always talking about people being killed at Dodger Stadium. Maybe just put that into the song." <laughs> It I mean, seems maybe like, he's maybe that fan is the person who died in the ambulance. You know, it seems like uh, Phoebe Bridgers is also like preoccupied with a lot of like weird, bad shit like that. That is just like constantly on her mind, and it just kind of like slips out into the songs. Yeah, sometimes you just got to let it out. Uh, okay, Johnny, let's talk about track six. This is Chinese satellite. Chinese satellite. <laughs> To cover. All right, that is a little bit of Chinese satellite. This one is up there for me. I, this is one of my favorites. Th- this, I think, perfectly placed in the album, too, at track six. This one is really good, and I, I love the chorus in this yeah. one. You, and the the different choruses. She, she kind of she kind of doesn't really have like traditional song structures a lot mm-hmm. in this album. But when a good chorus like slips into this album, it's it's very noticeable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I will say, not just this song. Every song on the album. I lo- I love having some info from the artist about what it's about. Mm-hmm. There's too much. There's, there's too much. There's too much. And I I just stopped looking at the annotations eventually because I was like. This is this is simply too much information. I, I, I said she's very online, and I feel like she's a little too available to, to tell people what her songs mean because she's got line by line. You could figure out what everything that she is saying in this is, and it's it is it felt overwhelming, especially compared to like some of the other albums we've could, we've listened to on the show where we just have to make some like leaps and inferences. Where I I I love it and I don't like it. I like the I mystery, but I also love having the information. So it's like it is. I guess you can. If you just don't want to pay attention to it, you don't need it. You could just, you could just, I listened to this album a bunch of times before I ever started looking up what the songs were about. Uh, that being said, the, the truly the chorus is, is so good. And I love it. The, at the end, um, the track, I'll see a tractor beam coming to take me where I'm from. I want to go home. I, that's, that's very fun. I, I love that. I want to go home. I also love the, the first part of the chorus, uh, or the first, uh, iteration of the course when she says I want to be wrong which mm-hmm. is just like it's such a I mean as a person who has no faith it is a fun thing to think about right like you know it's it, I don't think I'm wrong I definitely don't think I'm wrong but it'd be pretty it would be sick, nice though. it'd yeah. be nice it truly would but it, it and I, I love like I just love explore it's a concept that I think is so cool to explore I also think I, it's so interesting to explore I think about that a lot, talking about Halloween, spooky stuff. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't think there's anything that sure. I could ever see that would make me believe in ghosts, but oh, it'd be so cool if I did. 
yeah. and if they were real, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would be the best. I yeah, I mean there there are so many. I think this is one of my favorites on the album, just because there are so many. Like it, it I feel like a personal connection to it. But I do love the. I mean, so many of these lines are great. Like I look at the sky and I feel nothing. Um, is such a fun like <laughs> a sentiment for that situation. When you said I will never be your vegetable because I think when you're gone it's forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just yeah, just like lines like that that seem so like personal. But yeah, very 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 fun song. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's listen to track seven. This is Moon Song. Whatever that like whoop 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 in the background thing is, I love that. That sound effect. I wonder if it's like a, a, a theremin? It maybe is. I don't know. I really like the the guitar in this song. Sounds very, like, clean. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, well, anyway, that's... That, that's a little bit of a little bit of moon song. Um, Maybe yeah, it's someone on playing a saw. It, it, I don't know. It, 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 I couldn't find it in the credits, but it, 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 it just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very unique sound. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's very subtle too. Um, I, again, a lot of the, a lot of the lyrics. I'm very, very, very impressed with the lyricism in this album. I think it's really, really great. I, I love that verse. So it's the verse that I played. I love. I love the line, we hate tears in heaven, but it's sad that his baby died. Um, <laughs> so That's, that's I, funny. I, I, again, I looked into this because the original line was, we hate Eric Clapton. Um, because Eric Clapton, like as a person, it, it, oh, is, yeah. it is sad that his son died. But uh, it, as a person, he's like said some like pretty shitty stuff. Like just, just kind of like a right-leaning kind of dirtbag. Um but she changed the line from we hate Eric Clapton to we hate tears in heaven because it sounded better. But then she was like, but also that's not my least favorite Eric Clapton song. She's like, that song is actually pretty good, but it just fit. It just fit with the song. And then the we fought about John Lennon until I cried and then went to bed upset. <laughs> that is also so fun, too, because it's like. We both hate Eric Clapton, but John Lennon is the one where, you know, you're like, actually, no, John Lennon's okay. And it's like, no, he's a piece of shit. And it, uh, yeah, I just, that, that, that line is so fun to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this was, this was one, I won, I think more than any other song where the instrumentation st- stuck out more to me than the lyrics. Um, and maybe oh, it is just like the, cause the guitar felt so different than any of the other tracks. Yeah, I mean, so so much of this whole album is just like a complete vibe. Like, I can imagine yeah. listening to this, not being in the headspace to listen to whatever this style of music is, and then just being instantly off-put by the whole thing. I can totally see that. Um, because, it's you know, it's, it. I don't even know how to describe There's like, this whole album is like, there's like some kind of, it kind of tackles depression, but not in a... Not like in a like I'm super down in the moment. It's kind of like depression from like a like a aerial view type of thing. But but it's also very specific. It's it's a very weird vibe that it's trying to go after. Well, and it's also because I I feel this a lot, and I don't I don't think it's depression. But this 
this um just these like creeping like intrusive thoughts of like just dark stuff yeah but i'm not like i i wouldn't say that i'm depressed but you know that thing of like just like i i i, I yeah, there's like know. whatever anxi- you know what I mean. There's anxiety and depression, and it, it. But it's like it's all kind of like this. Like, um, I don't know. It feels like more generalized. Like it's not like individualized depression. Yeah. It's just kind of like mass depression at the state of everything type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and how the world is kind of like so small and specific and also like too vast and too big to, for our human minds. It's like that type of thing. It's like the metaphysical depression. Well, it's like it's like every. <laughs> Everyone is having the exact same extremely small, specific yeah. things yep. happen to them. <laughs> and I, I think that this – in this song specifically, it's like – it's about that like wanting someone to treat you bad just so they'll like acknowledge you type mm-hmm. of thing, you know? Like she, she calls it uh, that wanting to be stepped on feeling. And I think that this is like – I mean, it's just such a beautiful song. I also love the metaphor of like the the dog bringing you the dead bird, where it's like you don't want that fucking dead bird, but the dog thinks that they did such a good job bringing you the bird that it's like mm-hmm. you don't want to crush the dog because it's like not their fault, you know. I, I think that's such a like apt metaphor to apply to a, a toxic relationship. Yeah. Uh, one other thing, two two kind of spacey songs right in a row. Yeah, very, this one's very spacey. Also, a lot of dream stuff. This song also yeah. has like a whole dreaming verse in it that that takes place on this album. Um, and I love that that take out of Clapton. I think that this it just gets uh, bonus points. Uh, and this came out before we were really hating on him hard. I know, I know. Good he got her. worse. She yeah. pre- she predicted it, or maybe she was just had some insider information. Maybe. Uh, Let's talk about track eight, Johnny. This is a savior complex. Obsessed with skeletons. Skeletons, vampires, Halloween. All right, uh, a little bit of savior uh, save complex there. This one is the fifth single. She says it's kind of like a follow up to Moonsong. It, again, it's about being in mm. like a toxic relationship um, with kind of like a, a person who doesn't want to be with you. Or yeah, it, it's it seems like you know, again, toxic relationship, right? I really love the line, crocodile tears run the tap till it's clear. Just like like crying until there's like nothing left. Yeah. That's, that's really um the 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 lyrics in this album are top notch. Yeah, they're I mean they're top notch. It's just it's just like it's an album that you can tell really focused on the lyrics, whereas mm-hmm. 
you know, n- not all the albums that we review on the show. That's fine. Like, do focus on the lyrics. I, I, I find more and more I am really like enthralled by compelling lyrics. I, that's probably not a nuanced take. Most people probably are, but. That's so interesting because I feel like lately I have been more of a vibes guy than a lyrics guy. I mean, I just think that there's something in me that will always, even if I don't, I'm not actively listening to the lyrics. Like when I started doing research for this album, I was like, oh, there's just so much here. Mm -hmm. But when I would just listen, there would be like things like I'm too tired to have a pissing contest that would strike me. And I'm like, oh, that's such a fun line. But it would be like that for every song. For every song, there would be some lyric that I was like, oh, that's a fun lyric. Well, you're you're a sensitive guy. You're a poet. So Truly. it makes sense. Yeah. The guy who's most known for being like, I'll drink my own piss and I'll fuck my cousin <laughs> is like a poet. That's kind of that's kind of how it seems. Um, well, you said I'll fuck my cousin in iambic pentameter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I will fuck my cousin. <laughs> now. Um. <laughs> did you watch the did you watch the video for Save Your Complex, Johnny? I did I did, yes. Um this was the only one that's like that felt like a music video, like a super stylized I, like music video. I didn't see when they were filmed, but I wonder if the other two were filmed like pandemic in her house. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It tr- truly could be. What's wild is that this video was directed by Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag, mm. and I think I did hear about Phoebe Bridgers when Fleabag what was Fleabag twenty eighteen twenty nineteen yeah something like that. When everyone was talking about Fleabag, which, by the way, I really liked Fleabag. Um, but then I was like, oh, it's so weird that there's like this celebrity and another celebrity that have very similar names. It's a it's a classic Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> Johnny B. Horny. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, to- a total classic. I um, I really like the, the – this song has a nice sound. And I don't just mean like the the – the instruments or the the vocals, but I I this is a song that I could put on a, this this would go on a playlist like a sad playlist for me. Yeah, I I think that I think so too. I it, it has like um and, and it's very stream of conscious too. It felt it feels like it kind of feels like a poem and and like it's got I wouldn't say it has like a memorable melody, but it's very melodic. Yes, it's very very melodic. Um, the. The other uh, thing, this, this video, which is like a weird video, um, there's like a carjacking in it. It stars uh, Paul Mescal. And I was like, what, what, who is Paul Mescal? What do I know him? So I Googled him. And it's like the thing that I saw was a, like a relatively recent article from like the end of last year that he's dating uh, Phoebe Bridgers. So it's like, I don't know if they were dating at the time, but it's just like such a weird thing. It's like it's directed by a person who has a very similar name to me and it's starring my current boyfriend. It's It's very fun. And Phoebe Waller Bridge is dating Paul Gregory Mescal. I don't remember what fucking name you said for that guy. That's pretty close. You got it. Honestly, okay. pretty spot on. Yeah, this this video is weird. And like uh, uh, Phoebe Bridges is like in it, but at different times in this guy's like his whatever he's doing. He's at one point he like he has like fake wounds that he's like taking off of himself. It's 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 odd. It's yeah. an odd one. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the video, huh? You might like it. Watch the video. Yeah, I think, be, personally, for me, best bang for your buck is Kyoto. Kyoto is a very good video. It's a very good video. Uh, all right, Johnny, let's talk about track nine. This is I See You. I feel something when I see you. 
you like how the drums cut out on that can't get you to play the drums line? That's a little bit of ICU. Um, this one was the third single. Uh, it's ICU, the, the letters. The single came out as ICU because it was like during the middle of COVID and they didn't what? Which is over now. The middle, I should say. And it's long over. Uh, but yeah, they didn't want a song. They didn't want a song called like ICU. But then when the album came in, everything had the, the original. Th- that stuff like that is so, so funny to me. I know. I know. Like. The, whatever I'll make this quick but we go to Halloween Horror Nights every year the fucking haunted house stuff and in 2001 which is like October is like right after 9-11 the way that what they did there was no like Twin Towers haunted house or whatever that they had mm-hmm, planned mm-hmm. but they just changed everything so that there was no blood it was all just like green slime instead of blood yep. and that was like okay here we go there was I, we talked about it on the show too, but the America, uh, Amanda Bynes movie where she was giving a peace sign and they edited yes. the peace sign out because they didn't want to make a statement about the war. It's just like yeah, it truly when they make little changes like this, it's like Jesus so fucking Christ, wild. Yeah, Appa- apparently this song was a uh, a song written about her breakup with her drummer who helped write the song, and they were together for a couple of years. Now they're like friends and they're really close. Uh, but that whole line of like, I can't even get you to play the drums. And it's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's so, it's so weird. Like, that's such a weird thing to write a song about. But it's, I'll be honest, I like this song. This song's good. Yeah, this, this had a lot of standout lyrics to me. I've been, I've been playing dead my whole life and I get this feeling whenever I feel good, it'll be the last time. That. Yeah, that's fun. I think about that a lot. Um, what about the lyrics? I hate your mom. I hate it when she opens her mouth. <laughs> That's such a fun line. It's just uh, a snipe. I, it's just a straight up snipe. Yeah, fuck your mom. Fuck your mom. Um, I also loved because I don't know what I want until I fuck it up. That's yeah. so good. And the way she sings it when she goes up on the I'll fuck mm-hmm. it up. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Um Johnny, I also this one got me interested because there's uh, that I feel something when I see you now. I feel something when I see you. It's a refrain. And I was like, what is the difference? What is the difference between a refrain and a chorus? We don't learn, we don't, we're not here to learn shit for this podcast. But this was, I was like, what is the fucking difference? Well, apparently the difference is a refrain is usually just like one line at the end of a verse. And a chorus is, it's usually mm. more than one line. And it is like, it's, changes melodically like there's usually like a build-up into the chorus so that's the difference like it's a very subtle difference and there's a lot of like discussion about what that difference might be but essentially it is like if the refrain is short and it's just kind of like tacked onto the end of the verse and there's not like a lot of like other things musically going on with the refrain then it's a refrain but if it's longer it's a chorus Interesting. interesting yeah um all right let's talk about uh track 10 johnny this is uh graceland 2 so we spent what was left of our serotonin to chew on our cheeks and stare at the moon. Said she knows she lived through it to get to this moment. Ate a sleeve of salty, torn a hole in a new 
All right, that is that is a little bit of Graceland 2, T-O-O. I like how this is just a sneaky boy genius song. Yeah, right? Well, it's, it's interesting because, like, I, I think she wrote this song when she was kind of, like, uh, on tour with them and then wanted them to record the song. Also, I didn't see it credited, but she did tell, like, an anecdote that when she – she decided to fly to Nashville to get like all these people to sing on the song by all these people. I mean, uh, Julian Baker and Lucy Dacus and the other two members of boy genius. And like, she said that Julian Baker texted her and be like, Hey, I'm hanging out with uh, Haley Williams from Paramore. Do you want her to sing on the song too? And I didn't see her credited, but I was like, maybe she just did it because she was there and she didn't want, she didn't want to deal with like the credit thing. But I, I just thought that that was so funny to just be like, Nashville seems like a very, a very, maybe a smaller music scene. Yeah. 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 This one, apparently, you know, part of it at least is about MDMA. Yeah. That, the part Um, we just listened to, like, yeah. What, uh, we spent what was left of our serotonin, like, coming off of MDMA. Have I ever told you the story Uh about, uh oh, the, I was at an improv festival and, this dude, this was like years ago. Okay. Uh, this dude was like talking to anyone who would listen about MDMA. And he was like, you got to watch the MDMA, the spirit molecule. And he just kept like going on and Jesus. on about it. And he was like an older, not older, older, but he was like. Older than you. Yeah. Yeah. And then and we were at this house party at this festival and it, it turned midnight and this adult man looked at his watch looked back up to like the 20 somethings that were around him and he said my son just turned four (laughs) (laughs) and then that night he uh got too drunk and had to sleep at that house and and like woke up and was like hey you guys got a towel i gotta take a shower (laughs) jesus some people man you just you never know (sighs) anyway that's that's, That's your... why drugs scare me. <laughs> well, you know what doesn't scare me is a little banjo. I really, when oh, the banjo yeah. kicked in 10 songs into this album, I was into it. Nine yeah. songs with the intro. But yeah, I was I was really into it. I, I think that this song is like, again, it's really pretty. I was loving it as kind of a change of pace. I loved that outro that I would do anything you want me to. I would do anything for you. I, you know, I do whatever you want. I, I, it's just like, it's it's kind of the other side of Savor Your Complex too. It's pouring all of your energy into a person even if like maybe it's just that they're going through a hard time but maybe it's that like you don't know what else to do you know mm-hmm. i love that i love that uh, i love the line uh she picks a direction it's 90 in memphis turns up the music so thoughts don't intrude because mm-hmm. that's i certainly do that yeah there's nothing there's nothing worse than ha- hearing nothing <laughs> oh yeah no i can't be alone with my thoughts are you kidding me come on Th- these guys You've heard some of them out loud on the podcast. It's bad news. All right. Well, well Johnny, we, we got to get to it. So let's talk about track 11. This is I Know the End. Scream More space stuff. 
And I love these horns. More horns here. This is that. Yeah. Is this where the wild things are? That is a little bit of I Know the End. Oh, Johnny, longest song on the album. You know, it is, but it's also the last song. Yeah. And that I can I can get on board with that. I think that that's, that's fine. This was my favorite song on the album. Uh, I, I loved, loved, loved this song. Um, I love that verse three. I, I feel like a lot of this album feels stream of conscious but like mm-hmm. verse three feels like more like driving stream of conscious here um it, it's a longer song and it kind of changes halfway through and then it like builds to this really weird cacophony powerful ending thing i really enjoy the long build yeah i i love that change halfway through uh those like clean guitars kind of come back in this which i yeah. love um and i also especially for a last tr- like a, a last track if it's longer and it's building to like a chaotic, yeah. you know, something, I I love that. Um, so, and this isn't even, five minutes, 44 seconds is long, but it's not egregious. It's not Especially like a, it's, for a last track. The difference between like a six minute song and an eight minute song is there's, I mean, it's, I know it's only a, a couple of minutes, but it truly does feel very different because this song it didn't feel like any time was wasted in this. It didn't feel yeah. like there was like a 45 second instrumental break that we didn't need. You know, it, it felt like the whole song had a purpose and it built to it and then it got out. Yep. I agree. Um, um, yeah. I, I, I thought this one was just, just fantastic. I, the, the only thing about this for me, really, I am not in a headspace to listen to any sort of apocalyptic shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this, and this was written in 2018, 2019. I know forget it forget it it it's so strange too just because like that the even that line at the end um the billboard said the end is near i turned around and there was nothing there yeah i guess the end is here like ah man it's just that (laughs) that uh that's kind of that sentiment that it's like oh i never thought the apocalypse would be so fucking boring Mm -hmm. like because you know we all thought it would be like a meteor and the world just goes up in flames and it just turns out like the apocalypse is like fucking capitalism on this like weird late stage decline. What I think about all the time is the movie Children of Men. Oh yeah. Where they're all just like living their stupid fucking lives and it just... And everything's bad and babies aren't being born anymore. No one knows why. And it's just, yeah, yeah. But but they're still like have to go to their jobs. And like pay for coffee and yep. Yes. And then there's there's graffiti in that movie that I will, it just sticks with me. It just says the last person to die, like, will the last person to die turn out the lights? (laughs) Yeah. 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 By the way, fantastic movie. Uh, Oh, truly, truly. Truly fantastic movie. That's one of those movies that I love and like. Basically, can never watch again because it oh, stresses me out too much. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's like a movie that it's like oh, cinematically beautiful story, very compelling. Would I like to watch it? No, thank you. I, I would will not. from time to time. I will rewatch the sh- the the long shot through like oh, yeah. the the that building long tracking shot that like fifteen the, minute shot that, and I will watch the car scene. Oh, fucking ex, dude! What an excellent movie. Children of Men, ten out of ten. 
on this podcast, we rate Ch- Children of Men ten out of ten. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Johnny, I mean, that's the that's the album. That's the whole fucking thing. We we made it through. Um, I I gotta say that this is an album where I truly I think like a time and a place and a headspace for listening to this album is very it's a very context dependent mm-hmm. album um because i can totally see like picking this up at a time in my life where i like listen to three tracks and say not for me um but at the time that i did pick it up and especially in the winter time where i like to listen to sad saturn music it just that's just my my vibe really really feeling this album so um I'll go first since it's uh, since it's the one that I picked. Uh, you know, I got to dance with the one that brought me. I was going back and forth. I fucking love this album. I do not think it has a single song that I would call like a skip. In fact, I listened to it a ton of times and I never skipped a song. I think it's a great album to listen to like through again. Like I, multiple times I would listen to this album like three times, uh, which is a problem when you're like with someone um, – are you living with someone who's like, hey, why are we listening to this? At one point, Mariah was like, oh, you're doing this on the show? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I didn't know that it was – she calls it homework whenever I listen to an album for the show. She's like, I didn't know we were doing homework. And I was like, well, I kind of started listening to this album. And then I was like, I want to do it for the show because I was listening to it so much. I do a lot of my listening while I'm cooking because we're usually not – Jessica's usually like doing something else while I'm cooking. So I'll just like – that's when I'll go through repeat. So she doesn't even get to hear my homework. Mariah and I do listen to a lot of music while we're cooking, but we tend to cook together. Um, we, so we 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 hear and not like like for dinner and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. mostly what we're cooking. We don't do like we're not like we don't do baking like Johnny does. Johnny, I'm not a cook when it comes to Johnny. Okay, Johnny's the cook. Johnny's the cook. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm not coming for your throne. Uh, but we do tend to listen to a lot of uh, albums for the show together in that way. But I gotta say, man. I, especially lately, I've just been in the mood to listen to this. So then when I was thinking about my top 100, I was like, this song or this album definitely has to go on my top 100. But it's so like mood dependent that I feel like that has to be in some sort of consideration, right? Because it's like, will I always be in the mood to listen to this album? No. Do you need a happy top 100 and a sad top 100? Yeah, do I? But I don't have one. All I have is the one that I have. So I have to use the one that I've got. We're so, only given the top 100 that God has so, given us. <laughs> so it's really, really, really hard for me to think about where I actually wanted to place this. But I think, you know, I started I started out like higher. I scaled it back. I was like, uh, where does it go? I think I'm going to sit, Johnny. Check this out. I think I'm going to go at 34. Is it open? Is it open? It's open. open. Okay, cool. I I think that this, I love this album so much, and I think that it is such a good fucking album. I don't want to listen to it all the time, but there are times where I want to listen to it with all my time, if that makes sense. It's just, it's that, it's that kind of album for me. I think 34 is a, is a solid choice. Thank you so much. I, I feel heard. I feel listened to, and I feel respected. Johnny, I have to ask you, what was your impression of this album? Would you recommend it? And would it go in your top 100? I think that the lyrics are fantastic. Um, if you are in the mood, the vibes are the vibes are correct. You know, if you're if you're in the headspace for this, it's sure. gonna gonna be the medicine that Daddy needs. Um, that being said, I don't. It didn't. It didn't stick with me in okay. a, in the way that other stuff that we've listened to has. And I, I, if I'm being honest, I don't know that I'll revisit it again. 
Um, okay, interesting. But I, but the, but it's this happened with another album. There's no reason. I don't remember what the other album was, but there's no there's no reason. It just didn't it just didn't get me. I mean, it, was it Olivia Rodrigo Sour? Because that also didn't get you. It might it might have been. Yeah, you know, but like Ashley everything... Simpson autobiography did get you so everybody make sure we make sure we flood johnny's dms with that information yeah never forget um yeah i don't know so so i i would recommend it and i think that if if you're in the in the zone for this it's gonna hit you it's gonna hit you right um but i'm i'm not gonna put it on my top 100 that's hey it's your top 100 johnny you can do with it as you please now will the fans get fucking furious with yeah they of course Every podcast needs a villain, and I'm happy to be that villain. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it's very interesting, Johnny, because we we kind of broke up the month between the first two uh, albums were the ones that I picked, and the second two were the ones that you picked. So I think we could safely say that my sad girl January is over as we uh, head into the rest of January. That's pretty safe to say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, and I, I can't wait for this uh, for the content shift <laughs> as well, well um, especially because we're. Where the content shift is happening in about five minutes for, for us. us, for us, for sure. <laughs> uh, but for everyone else, you'll have to wait a week and we will see you uh, on the Patreon. You can always support the show, patreon.com slash Bill Buds pod. And then you get another episode uh, in our off weeks. And if not, we'll see you back here in two weeks uh, for Lincoln Park's hybrid theory. <laughs> cannot wait. <laughs> cannot wait. Cannot wait. Um, um, hey, lot, lot, you know, there's some, they process their sadness in a different way, but I think there's a lot of sadness on that album too. So you know what we can't ex- we can't wait to explore more sadness in January in a very very different context. The uh, before we go, I oh, do yeah. need to. I would like to give a shout out to friend of the show. Wow, Sir Patrick Stewart. Did you remember it? <laughs> I did remember it. <laughs> okay, okay, Patrick Stewart and Johnny. Now you got to go watch Green Room. I don't. Are you? A I guess horror so. Guy? Are you a horror? Yeah, guy? yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what I will say to anyone considering watching Green Room: Do not. Watch Green Book. That is a different movie that came out around I, a similar time. I did th- at first think that's what you're talking about, and I was like, there's no way. I have said Green Book a lot of times when I was recommending Green Room, and pe- I'm like, Green Book, you know, the movie about the neo-Nazis. And they're like, what? And I'm like, uh, am I saying this right? The, I, the same thing happens when I tell people I love The Room, and they say, oh, the Brie Larson movie. <laughs> and I say, no, no, no. <laughs> um. I, I throughout all of the pandemic, we with some friends did a weekly Zoom uh, hang where we would watch a horror movie. And um, hey, it's starting back up again, baby. Well, hey, I it must with Green Room. I, I it's it's a stressful movie. Anyway, uh, watch Green Room, listen to Phoebe Bridgers, enjoy the rest of your January. We will see you soon. And with that, we tip our hats to you, and we wish you a very fond farewell. Tonight we're hanging with the boys. Yeah, we're going. Out. Them good girls, them bill bus. Hands up for the real ones.